Welcome to another episode of a special podcast we like to call From the Archives. These are hand-picked sermons and sermon series preached in our church over the years by some of the pastors, elders and special guests we've had the privilege of listening to. We hope and we pray that as we listen to these classic messages, we'll be challenged in our walk with Jesus and encouraged to trust in him more and more. That being said, let's dive into the episode. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Ammonford Church from the Archives podcast. Carrying on our series, our new series for 2019, The Dummy's Guide to Discipleship. Last week we had Wynne opening up uh, to us about grace, uh, especially the welcoming grace that we have in Jesus Christ. This week it's my privilege to introduce myself as I share about reading the Bible. What should be our goals when we come to the Bible? And I've got nine practical tips, actual practical tips, to help you get more into the Bible and more out of the Bible. That's enough. It's a long enough sermon anyway. Um, but I hope it blesses you, it encourages you, and it helps you to be a Bible-fed Christian. I should shut up and hand over to myself. Here I am. What has 66 books... 40-odd authors, was written and compiled over a period of hundreds of years, yet has one solitary unifying theme. The Bible. Shouldn't have been hard to guess from quite those details on our subject uh, this morning. What do you call a follower of Christ who doesn't read their Bible? Stunted. That's what I'd call someone who is a follower of Christ but doesn't read the Bible, stunted. Jesus said in response to the temptations that he faced when he was in the wilderness after 40 days of fasting, man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now those are strong words, aren't they? They are serious words. He's quoting Deuteronomy in a passage which literally speaks about the people trusting God, trusting his word, trusting his promise day to day in order to survive and to stay alive. Yet I wonder how many of us honestly here this morning agree with Jesus' words. How many of us see the Bible, reading the Bible, um, coming to God's word on a daily basis as a matter of life and death? How many of us actually think that when Jesus says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on the very words of God, we think that he is, you know, he's being a bit hyperbolic. You know, he's, he's making a point. Okay, yeah, we get you. He's being a bit um, metaphoric. Okay, there's some great metaphor in there, Jesus. We understand what you're saying. He's being a bit melodramatic. Okay, well, you've been starving for 40 days. All right, we get it. How many of us actually believe the words that Jesus spoke? My guess is that the most of us don't live each day, we don't live each week, we don't live each month as if coming to the Word of God is more important even than the, the food that we eat. And that is a remarkable admission for people who call themselves Christians, followers of Christ, isn't it? That we don't take the words that he spoke literally. My first question this morning then as we look at this topic of how do we read the Bible, you know, as disciples, as followers of Christ, how do we feed on the Word of God daily, is this. Why don't we read our Bibles more than we do? 
Why don't we read our Bibles more than we do? And I think that question applies to everybody here. Because whether you're someone who, who doesn't read your Bible, the question is, I suppose, why don't you read your Bible? Or, or if you are someone who, who reads their Bible a little bit, why don't you read it more? If you're someone who reads your Bible a lot, why don't you read it more? I think from the majority of us, we'll give the same exact answer. And the answer is this. We don't read our Bibles because we can't manage the time. We can't squeeze it in. Gav alluded to it. He hinted to it. He actually said as much, the busy modern man. Spending time with God and his word is time consuming and it's time we cannot spare. Therefore, it's not that we don't believe what Jesus says. It's not that we don't think the Bible is important, but we just don't have time for it. Now, whether that's not reading at all or whether it's reading it a little bit and then moving on and carrying on, whatever, most of us have to be able to admit that at some time or another, at some point in our lives or probably every single day, we don't read our Bibles because we say that we don't have time. And when you think about it, it seems like a reasonable answer, doesn't it? Um, we, we have this picture, we have this image of Bible reading in our mind as something that's difficult to do, that actually you need specific conditions to be met in order to be able to read your Bible. You need to have, you know, like a place, you need to have uh, the opportunity, you know, you need to have peace and quiet. And, you know, getting that all together takes a lot of time, let alone the actual process of sitting down and reading our Bibles. Yet, yet there's a fundamental truth in life which transcends this topic, it's the sort of thing that Wynne might preach an entire sermon on, and it's this. We make time for the things that we value in life. We make time for the things that we value in life. If that's true, then actually our excuse, which 95% of us, I think, will have used at one point or another, that we don't read our Bibles because we don't have time, actually tells us that we don't read our Bibles because we don't care about it, because we don't value it highly enough. Here's an example. I've been uh, feeling unwell this week. Nobody's going to, oh, really down in the dumps, in bed, you know, clutched up. Um, yet, there are a few things that I think are very important in life. Most things don't come more important to me than football. So even though I was feeling ill on Tuesday, I, I sucked it up. I thought, you know, it'll do me good. I rationalized it, going for a run, going, getting some blood flowing. I tell you what, I'll go out and play football. How long did I last, Aaron Drahan? Two or 20 minutes, okay? I'm an athlete as well as a comedian and a theologian. But because I valued it, I made time for it, even though, you know, I, I really shouldn't have been doing it. Yesterday, I promised Caleb that I would take him to his first ever football match. So even though I still wasn't really feeling up to it, I made time for it because I thought that was important. Partly so that he could go to a football match, mainly so that I could go and watch a football match myself. Something that I valued, I made time for. I moved mountains, I moved heaven and earth, you know, that effort to get out of bed on Tuesday night and go and play football. You know, it was hard, but because I valued it, I did it. And that's, that's true for almost everything in our lives. When we value something, we make time for it. Yet, yet. This answer that we give, that we don't have time to read the Bible properly, so we probably don't do it at all, it's actually saying, do you know what, we don't care about the Bible. 
we don't think the Bible is that important. We certainly don't agree with Jesus when he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by the very words of God. We definitely don't think it's that important. Here's my second question then. Why is it that we think reading our Bible isn't as important as Jesus thought reading his Bible was? Even Jesus thought reading his Bible was important. My guess is, and this is what I've been thinking this week through kind of fevers and temperatures and bouts of sickness and what have you, is that the reason we don't think reading our Bible is very important is because our idea of what we're doing when we read the Bible is totally wrong. Our idea of what we're doing when we read the Bible is totally wrong. We have this concept of what Bible reading must be, what we will do when we go to it, what we will get out of it, and we think, you know what, I don't have time for that. And if we've got a totally wrong view of what we're doing when we're reading the Bible, we're actually probably coming to the right conclusion. But if we understood what we were doing, why we were reading the Bible, then we might start to value it a little bit more. Then we might be able to find some time in our lives for it because it will be something that we genuinely care about. Usually, for the most of us, if we were to answer the question, why do we read our Bible or why should you read your Bible, we'd give an answer like this. I come to the Bible as God's instruction manual for life. I have to read it every day because I need to learn a lesson about how God wants me to live my life. It doesn't sound like a terrible answer. It doesn't sound like an unchristian answer. But you know what? I, I think if that's what we think we're doing when we come to the Bible, we won't find time for it. I think we could give the answer, you know, I come to read my Bible because I want to learn something about the morals a Christian person should live. Again, it doesn't necessarily sound like a wrong answer. I think many of us would come away from our Bible readings and have some kind of moral um, standard improvement that we want to try to apply to our lives. But again, if that's our idea of reading the Bible, we're not going to make time for it because we're not going to find it important. If we come and we say that reading our Bible is for quick and easy lessons, then the truth is, even when we do come, what we're probably going to find is that we get bogged down in genealogies, tabernacle measurements, and curses, or something like that. And then not only do we not value it, but we feel disheartened. Because the very reason that we think we're supposed to be going to Scripture to, you know, get this kind of lessons for life and for living out of it, we were mystified. How do I get a, a lesson out of these, this genealogy? How do I get a lesson out of these curses that have been pronounced? How do I get a lesson and a... a, a we don't value it. We get disheartened with it. And even when we, we find these lessons, we, we get disheartened because we can't live up to the standards that they present us with. Even if we do, yes, our, my reading plan has finally come to a, an epistle, to epistle of Paul that's got a nice clear command in it. That's what I should take away today and I should live like that. Do you know what? By the end of the day, even an hour after reading our Bibles, we're thinking, oh, reading your Bible, what a waste of time because... I just feel guilty. I just feel bad that the lesson that I've learned, I'm already not putting into practice. You see how having a wrong idea of how, why we read our Bible will massively impact how we read our Bible and indeed if we read our Bible. So really before, and I've got, I think it's about 10 tips on how to read your Bible. There's just one thing I want us to learn this morning about why we read our Bible. 
what we're doing when we come to Scripture and why it is as important as Jesus said. The answer should make reading our Bible easier on a practical level, but it also make applying the Bible uh, more satisfying, more sustaining, and more life-giving than we currently view Bible reading. Here's my one-sentence takeaway this morning. Even if you don't agree with any of the, kind of the hints and the tips that I'm going to give in the, uh, the second half of the sermon, leave with nothing else but this. Why do we read our Bibles? We read our Bibles to encounter the one who gives us life. We read our Bibles to meet Jesus. Okay? Jesus, God's selfie. Has that already been referenced this morning? Did you already use that? When? What a quote. Jesus, God's selfie, is the reason that we read our Bibles. And it's, it's, it's neglecting that. It's forgetting that one simple truth that I think has wrecked Bible reading and our ability to read the Bible for so many. We seem far more concerned with the rules for living than we do the, with the one who gives us life in the first place. We're far hungrier, I think, usually when we come to the Bible for commands than to meet the commander. We want the promises, but we desire little the one who makes the promises. We don't not read our Bibles because we haven't found a proper reading plan or haven't downloaded the appropriate app yet or because we don't have enough time in our day. We don't read our Bibles because what we're doing when we even come to our Bibles is, isn't what we're supposed to be doing. We're ignoring the primary purpose, which is to meet Jesus, to meet Jesus on every single page. If I aim at nothing, I'll probably hit it. That is um, something that we hear, and this 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 is true for our Bible reading. If you're not trying to meet Jesus when you read the Bible, then the chances are you will neglect him everywhere. You'll miss him completely. So we need to be a people who come consciously to our time of Bible reading, expecting to hear God's voice, expecting him to speak into our life situations, but most importantly, expecting to reveal himself in Jesus Christ. Now, I know what you're thinking, and I've, I've had conversations about this with some of you in this congregation. You're thinking, really, Sam? Really? Every single passage of Scripture, every page I turn to, I'm supposed to find Jesus? I, I kind of see where you're coming from on that in the New Testament. I'm really struggling to see where you're coming from that in the Old Testament, Sam. Really? Even though two-thirds, the first, you know, Old Testament doesn't even mention him, I'm supposed to find Jesus everywhere. I think we've all got to be honest and say that is something that we struggle with. Struggling with that truth that Jesus is everywhere in Scripture. And no matter where we sit down to read our Bibles, we should be meeting him in its pages. We should be expecting to see God's selfie. What we actually think is that God's selfie, like the selfie creates itself, is a relatively new invention. That for most of the Bible, God wanted to reveal himself. He wanted to speak to us, leaving Jesus to one side. And it wasn't until the New Testament that he had this idea of revealing himself through Jesus Christ. Well, let me just proof text a few passages to you, um, which should really blow the doors off that kind of thinking. Jesus, 
after his resurrection, said in um, the road to Demaeus to some confused disciples, this is what he said to them. How foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. I mean, John's spoken on this several times. The road to Emmaus and the fact that uh, Jesus leads the greatest Bible study ever in history. He, he kind of basically starts in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and he, and he works all the way through the scriptures that they had there at the time. And he said, look, I'm everywhere. The Messiah is everywhere. The sufferings, the glory, everything, it's all there. You should have been seeing me in every single page. We know the passage. For any of us who've been here for any length of time, we've heard John preach on it more than once. But how many of us let that guide our Bible reading? How many of us then actually come to Scripture and think, well, do you know what? Jesus said he's everywhere, so I'm going to look for him everywhere, and I'm going to meet him everywhere. We don't, do we? We simply don't do that. But this doesn't just jump out at the end of Luke's gospel as if Luke, um, you know, has this strange idea that Jesus should be everywhere and, uh, you know, this new thought that comes into Jesus' head. Uh, Here's what um, the gospel of John records. So it's Jesus' best friend, John, putting these words in the mouth of Jesus, a pretty convincing argument that this is what they both thought. John chapter 5, he's giving them a row again. He says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. That's what most of us think we do. I'm going to go to the Bible. I'm going to get some rules. I'm going to obey them. And I'm going to, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to live like a Christian should. He says, these, fools if you do that, these are the very scriptures that testify about me. He says, I'm there on every page. You've been reading them. You've been studying them diligently. Yet you've missed me on every single page. Later on, he says, a few verses later, he says, if you believed Moses... You would believe me. Why? For he wrote about me. Oh, that's a massive statement to make, Jesus, because we've, we've been through Exodus. Um, and you're not mentioned. You know, you're not mentioned. That is a massive statement to make because Jesus is fully convinced of this truth, that he is on every single page of Scripture last one. I mean, there's plenty of passages we could go to to look at this, but just this last one. Uh, it came to mind because Gwyn was in this passage a couple of weeks ago. 1 Peter, Peter, you know, Jesus' right-hand man, 1 Peter 1, says this concerning this salvation, Christian faith that he's been speaking about. The prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. He's saying, you know, this information was there already. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. He's Peter's basically saying, you know what, even these guys back then knew that there was more to the story than, you know, what what meets the eye. Uh, And they studied it. They wanted to know, what does Scripture already, before the New Testament, have to say about this Messiah? We call him Jesus. God revealed him as Jesus. What does it have to say? And he says, and you guys, now you've got us apostles filling in the blanks, shining the light on it, shining the torch of the gospel and saying, oh, it's obvious. He's everywhere. It's pretty clear. 
that even in the Old Testament, the whole purpose, the whole focus of the writing was Jesus, the Messiah, his sufferings, his glory, and the salvation that that produced. That's what Peter says. I mean, there are other places we could go, arguments that we could make, theses that we could put forward. But I've just shown you those, just, just, to, just to kind of like back up this point. Jesus genuinely is the hero of the Bible. He's there on every single page. If you want to speak to far more learned men than me, don't go to speak to John. Go and read one of two books, Jesus on Every Page. Can you guess what that's about? It's by David Murray. It's an excellent book. Or uh, another book that we pushed in church in the past, Bible Overview by uh, Swansea's own Steve Levy, covers much the same thing. Jesus genuinely is there on every single page of the Bible. There's not a book that you can turn to where Jesus can't be found. When we come to read our Bibles, what are we coming to do? Simply to learn life lessons or to meet the one who gives us life. My hope, my prayer this morning is, is now that you've seen this and you've realized this, and if you go off and do it, come to your Bible to meet Jesus, you will see him and you will be invigorated by that. You will be satisfied by that because he said satisfaction is only found in him. You will be sustained by that. You will start to understand what Jesus meant when he said, you won't live by bread alone, but by the very words of God. Because when we read the words of God, we meet the word of God, Jesus Christ. And that's where life comes from, from meeting encountering living with jesus okay so that in mind that big point that one takeaway if you're not going to listen to anything else take that away jesus on every page when we come to do it how how can we do it more easily because I think some of the same sticking points still stand, don't they? All right, Sammy, I get you. Jesus is there on every page. I should be wanting to go and to find him and to be sat, yada, yada, yada. But I still find it difficult. I still find the discipline of setting aside time, of sitting down, of reading. I mean, hands up who struggles to read. I do. Dyslexic. Reading is a chore. Uh, Certain things need to be in place to make Bible reading easier to help things along so what are some tips that we can give and share this morning um, that will help bible reading be a more satisfying more regular discipline in our lives well you needn't have come to church this morning you could have just searched on the internet i did and you will have found countless lists five ways to have good daily devotion seven steps to studying scripture 11 requirements for reading your bible speech impediment on that one um, but brass tacks what do we actually need to read our bible on a daily basis well first point or first tip is simply to start how many of us just think about things endlessly thinking about things thinking about things we should do thinking about things we know we should do planning them even but never actually start i know this in my own life when i've got a job to do like a diy job Do you know what? I think I enjoy more the kind of planning, mulling over phase. Charlotte will kind of give me some kind of time for it. You know, know, she's incredible, okay? She'll give me some kind of time for it. She'll say, Sammy, I want you to do X, Y, and Z by such and such a date. And I think, okay, right. I've got 17 months to get this job done now, okay? How am I going to do it? I'm going to do a little bit of research. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to plan it. I'm going to prep it. And and I do that for so long that the 17 months come up, and I've got to do a slapdash job at it anyway because, you know, I've just been thinking. And I've never started. I've never actually got the job underway. 
And sometimes we can build Bible reading up in our minds as if it's some kind of monumental event and everything has to be exactly in place before we can do it. And then, well, what do we do? We just miss it. I love what Aaron said. He's just got this, um, the checkbook, and it's shaped like a checkbook, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. And it'll fit in your pocket. And it's just something you just think, do you know what? need to read my Bible. Whip it out. Whoosh. You have it there. I mean, we've got mobile smartphones with apps, easy access to the Bible there. Wherever you are, you can read a passage of Scripture or have a passage of Scripture read to you. The first tip for reading your Bible is just, just to start. Just to have a go, just to open it up and to read. A little bit, a lot, it doesn't matter. Just to start. If you want to meet Jesus in Scripture, then you at least have to show up yourself, don't you? That just makes sense. You're not going to meet him in the Bible, which is the purpose of coming into the Bible, if you don't go there yourself. So tip one, just start. Tip two, make a date or an appointment. You know, again, when things are really important down in our lives, we, we kind of put it in our calendars or, or, our, or our diaries. Or they're things that we think, right, okay, this is going to happen at a specific time. Now, this isn't to say that you have to do your Bible reading at a specific time every day. But practically speaking, we are creatures of habit. If I begin the day thinking, well, I'm going to read my Bible today. I'm going to have time in Scripture and I'm going to meet Jesus. But I've got no plan as to when or where I'm going to do it. You know what? The likelihood is I'm going to be going to bed. I'm going to think, you know what? I haven't. And also I've been up a little bit late watching too much TV. So I don't have time now because I'm up again in the morning. So forgot to make a date. Forgot to actually read the Bible. If you really want to be regular, we need to be prepared. There's far less important things in our life which we schedule, which we prioritize. We put appointments and dates and calendars and diaries. If we want to read our Bible, we will make a date. If you're planning on finding Jesus in Scripture, then make sure you know when you're supposed to be going to meet him there. Put it in your diary, otherwise he will be squeezed out and you'll simply forget to show up yourself to meet him. Tip number three, have a plan. Okay, so we kind of spoke about this with the, um, I'm trying to think of something insulting to say about them, the three wise monkeys. Is that what they're called? Uh, Dum, Dumber, and Dumberer. Uh, Jamie, Aaron, and Gavin. Um, each of them kind of said they had a plan. Uh, Jamie said he used the Explore Bible Studies notes, which take him systematically through sections of the Bible and give him questions to ask. Um, Aaron said he goes through the mornings and evenings with um, Charles Spurgeon, which again goes through kind of semi-systematically chapters of and passages of Scripture. Uh, and Gav alluded to it, the U version, it'll give you thousands of Bible reading plans. Um, sometimes we'll come and we'll just think, we'll open up our Bible and we think, well, I'm just going to open it to a random page. I don't really know what I'm looking for. I don't know how much I'm going to read. Uh, we're not ready. We're not prepared. Uh, and, and we just miss what's happening truth is that there's just so many plans out there which will make opening our Bible and reading our Bible a lot, lot easier. It needn't be something big. Um, you can start off with something small. Um, one of the best Bible reading plans I have ever done was um, when Caleb was in his first couple of months and I was feeding him his seven o'clock bottle to put him to sleep. Um, it's not a lot you can do when you're feeding a baby a bottle. But you can and use your phone. And I read the U version, Essential 100. 
a hundred passages of Scripture which took you from Genesis through to Revelation, highlighting key passages, key characters, key events. Short passages didn't take me more than five minutes to read as I was feeding him his bottle. Yet I got this whole kind of sweep over the whole Bible in a hundred days. I think sometimes we can be a little bit scared when we're starting to read our Bible to think, Bible in a year, you know, 12 chapters a day. Okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then we try to do it and we do it for two days. And then by the end of the week, we're nine days behind and we're just decimated. We can't do it. You, you can have a plan and you can still be thinking small. Uh, mind you, if you are someone who does already read your Bible, you know, you've been reading a chapter a day for 20 years, you can also make a plan to read more of your Bible every day. Did you know that? Actually, for you, it might be helpful to read um, more chapters, larger passages, and, and, and to get Scripture informing Scripture. Um, one of the things I love when I'm, when I'm kind of squeezing in uh, Bible reading, you know, more passages together, is that I start to see how things link together, how passages in the Old Testament uh, influence um, people's way of speaking and writing in the New Testament, how themes, how subjects carry through. Um, you might not get that if you're only reading a chapter a day. Because by the time that you work through to something else, you'll have forgotten what you read in the first place. Um, so if maybe for you, someone who's been reading the Bible regularly, what you need to plan to do actually is to read more of your Bible every single day. And start to see how Jesus is there all throughout Scripture. Have a plan. There's loads out there, but be realistic. If, you, if you're looking to meet Jesus in Scripture, have a plan of where exactly you're going to look for him that day forewarned is forearmed or, or something like that number four come with honesty come with honesty um if a christian can't come honestly before god who can uh, we're supposed to be people who have come to god and said you know what you're right god i'm not up to it i can't do it on my own i have to put my faith in jesus christ to have a right relationship with you we make that step but then we try to live our christian lives kind of um, trying to pull the wool over God's eyes. Uh, no, it's to be fair, God, I am, I am better than you think I am. You know, I might have come to you in Christ, but I'm, I'm all right now. I, I, I can sort things out. Come honestly before God. When you open your Bible up, uh, you know, honestly confess yes or no. Do you actually want to meet Jesus that day? Say to God, he, he's big enough to take it. Do you really want to hear from God? Uh, confess, are you there simply for academic study or are you there because we've told you to? Uh, come honestly. And that includes if you're struggling or if you're feeling high as a kite. Come and say, God, I'm struggling with this. I'm going to do it because Jesus has said it's important, but I'm struggling with this. Or come and say, yes, Lord, you know what? I'm confident you are there on every... Tell him. Come to Bible reading with honesty. If you're looking for Jesus in Scripture, don't show up wearing some kind of fancy dress because he won't recognize you. Um, either you'll miss him or you'll meet him and he'll see what a plonky you look like wearing fancy dress. Okay? So come with honesty. This is an old school one. The next tip. Use a pen and pencil. This is why I don't think necessarily we should go over wholesale to apps. They're useful for filling in certain blank patches, but you know what? Just for interacting with God's Word, there's not a patch to using pens and pencils 
and markers, whether that's underlining things in your Bible, making notes in the margin, or keeping a journal next to your Bible as you're reading it, jotting down thoughts that come into your mind. Anything that you can do that takes it from being simply reading to actually engaging and retaining what you're reading is good. I mean, how many people here this morning have witnessed teenagers revising for their GCSEs? Okay. Um, Not a problem my parents had. They didn't have to witness any of us revising because we were lazy. But I've seen it on TV, so I know this happens, that when teenagers are revising, they sit next to these printed out notes or textbooks that they've got, and they highlight certain bits. Sometimes they just end up highlighting the whole page. But what they're doing is trying to identify the the important bits, the bits that are speaking to them, and by interacting with what they're reading, helping them to retain what they're reading. And I think, do you know what, as Christians, why don't we do that? If teenagers are smart enough to do that when they're revising this uh, GCSEs, why, why aren't we doing that when we come into Scripture to meet with Jesus? Engage with the Bible. Take Bible reading to more than just reading, uh, but to be something you're engaged with. If there's a way that we could be opening our eyes even more to see Jesus when we're reading the, the, the Bible and we're trying to meet him, why wouldn't we? If you are going to look for Jesus in Scripture, Keep your eyes open every way that you know how to keep them open. Tip number six, stop feeling guilty. And I mean this specifically in terms of guilt for lack of Bible reading and quiet times. Have you ever confessed, I'm having trouble keeping to my regular quiet time? I know I ought to do better, but... And we kind of have these excuses uh, and we feel like we're explaining away. But what we're actually doing is hiding our guilt. We feel guilty because we know that Jesus puts a high emphasis. uh, And the New Testament authors put a new uh, high emphasis on coming to Scripture and engaging with Scripture and reading Scripture. Uh, That's one of the reasons I say start small. Start small because the inevitability of life is that you will miss and stuff up and things that were stopping us won't stop us anymore but we'll stop ourselves because we'll feel guilty and and we'll say to ourselves what a hypocrite i am if i come to read the bible today when i just blew it off yesterday how dare i get over yourself leave the guilt behind here's the amazing truth is that when we want to meet jesus in scripture and we go to him to meet him it's not a one-sided affair god wants to meet with us as well It's daily a chance to see Jesus more clearly. It's daily a chance to have him speak into your soul. It's daily a chance to see the sufferings and the glory and the salvation that they've produced. Grace. Okay, so leave the guilt behind. If you forget to eat food one day, what do you do the next? Do you think to yourself as you're standing over the bowl with a box of cornflakes, you think, hang on a second, what am I doing? I didn't eat any food yesterday. What a hypocrite I am to eat. No, of course you don't. You think, oh, I'm really hungry today. I forgot to eat yesterday too. I'll have to give double portions, two bowls. Um, So it should be with our Bible reading, shouldn't it? That we don't feel guilty if we've missed it one day, but we realize how much we need, how hungry we are for Christ the next. And we come to him. We just go ahead and meet him. Seven Be creative, add variety. Um, The truth is, 
year-long plans don't work very well for me because I can't tend to stay interested in any project more than about, well, six months is probably generous. Something captures my imagination, and I'm loving it, and I'm firing all cylinders with it, but something that's going to last 12 months is probably just going to end up boring me by the end. Um, Mix things up a little. I, I mean, as a church, we're not prescriptive about this is how you will read the Bible. You will use this reading plan, and you will, because we know that people are different, we know that circumstances are different, and we actually know from personal experience, John, am I right, that we like to mix things up. There's things that we start at the beginning of the year, and we think, oh, this is the best thing since, like, bread. John, have you seen this? This is an amazing way of reading your Bible. It's fantastic. March comes. Yeah, it's, it's not bad, is it? It's, it's still useful. April comes, and I'm just like, nah, bin that. Finished with it. Gone. It's served its purpose. I may not have gotten to the end of it, but, you know, this is the new best thing. You could say that there's some kind of uh, cultural thing in there that we want to go on to the next big idea, but why not add variety into our Bible readings? Um, Drudgery will defeat us when we're trying to have joy uh, meeting Jesus in Scripture. Have you ever had a regular kind of coffee date with someone? after work, at lunchtime or something, and week in, week out, you go and you meet up with them in the same place and you order the same drinks, and after a while, truth be told, you start to get a little bit bored of it. But it's not because you're bored of the person you're meeting with, it's because you're bored of the surroundings. And you think to yourself, do you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to have a macchiato. I don't know what one is, and it comes and you think, that's disgusting, I'll never try it again. But you do something to try and spice it up a little bit. Not because you're bored with a person, but because familiarity is bred contempt. Or you, or you try a different coffee shop, whatever. I think the same is true when we come to read our Bibles. Sit in a different chair. Do it at a different time of day. Use a different uh, Bible translation. Oh, heaven forbid we might read the Bible in different translations because we've all got our favorites. Yeah, get over yourself. Read it in different Bible translations. Um, use a different color highlighter. Anything you can do to keep it fresh. Because the surrounding sometimes will be the thing that is boring us. If you really want to meet with Jesus, then you'll want it to be free from distractions. And the distraction of sameness, add variety. Speaking of distractions, here's a tip. Name your distractions out loud. Again, uh, who do we think we're kidding when we come before God? And we, and we, no, God, you've got my attention 100%. Don't worry about it. I am, I am focused. I am full in. There's nothing in my life. There's nothing in my house currently that is putting me off. I am here to hear from you and to meet Jesus in your word. Yeah, sure you are. How many of us come to the Bible and we don't have nagging thoughts in the back of our minds about jobs that we've got later to do, to do later today? DIY projects to do 17 months down the line. Um, you know, concerns that we've got about conversations we've had with somebody yesterday. Um, uh, children making noise. Telephones going off. I remember for a while, Fozzie Bear, my cat, was obsessed, obsessed with sitting in an open Bible. He was far more keen to get into the Word at one point than I was. Name your distractions. Pray about it. Pray about it. If somebody phones you and, and, and distracts you and disrupts you, pray for them. Name them to God. He knows the distractions, and you never know. He may be using a distraction to speak to you that day as well. Don't try and kid yourself to God. Be honest. 
Name your distractions out loud. If you want to meet with Jesus, name those hurdles, name those stumbling blocks. Don't try and keep secrets from the one who already knows everything anyway. And nine, ah, it's not ten, it's nine, because I've written lastly here, unless I'm a liar. Nope. Lastly, number nine, learn to listen. When you're reading your Bible, learn to listen. And I don't mean, Gav, put the earphones in and have it read to you. That's fine. And, And I say, go for that. Chuck that in. Try that. But sometimes when we come to read our Bible, we're so obsessed with the activity and what we're doing in it and how we're going to discover Jesus and what we're going to do and what we're going to see, what I'm going to underline, what I'm going to highlight, what I'm going to pray, we forget to just listen. We forget that God speaks to us through his word, that he reveals himself to us through his word. Bible reading can become such a whirling mass of doing, such a, such a, a frenzied activity, especially when we're in a rush, that we get it out of the way, but we haven't listened at all. We haven't slowed down. We haven't breathed at all. When you meet with Jesus, my hope is that you'll want him to reveal more of himself to you. You'll want him to re- reveal more of yourself to you too. You'll want him to reveal more of the relationship that exists between him and you as well. So listen. Let him speak. Let him guide you. Let him point you. For goodness sake, hush your gums and let him speak. I know that's a lot. Ten different tips. And it's been like a bit firing an automatic weapon. I just hope that some of them have hit the target for some of you. I'm just going to circle around and come back to that first point. Why do we read our Bibles? Put all those special tips in place. And you know what? If you still just come in your Bible, to your Bible to learn a lesson, to learn a rule, to learn a moral, to satisfy ticking off a checklist in Christian living, then do you know what? You won't or you will and you'll, um, you'll hate it because of that. And you'll hate God for making you read your Bible every day. It's such a boring thing to do. But if we come to our Bibles to meet Jesus, the giver of life, in all of Scripture where we can learn about him and ourselves and the relationship that exists, who he is, what he's like, what he's done, what he's going to do, I think we love reading our Bibles. And even dummies like you and me will be able to read our Bibles with 10 tips or 12 tips or no tips. Because that's what our hearts all want to do. Meet and encounter the one who gives us life. And we'll agree with Jesus that, you know what? What we find there is more important than bread and food. We live through Christ and we want to meet Christ. I'm going to pray and I'm going to encourage us through our prayers not to shift Jesus from the place that he rightly deserves. Slap, bang, in the center of our lives, of our prayers, of our actions, of our thoughts and of our Bible reading. Well, that's it for another episode of our From the Archives podcast. We hope that you found it challenging and encouraging. And as always, we'd like to offer you a few quick next steps that you can take right now. If there's anything that you'd like to discuss or any questions that have been raised, please do contact us via email to contact at amfordchurch.com. If you want to know more about what's going on in the life of the church, make sure that you like us on Facebook. And lastly, why not check us out on YouTube? 
where you'll find additional teaching to complement our regular sermon podcast and our From the Archives podcast. Thanks for listening.